Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I am Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week, and we review them, and we give our recommendations, and then we sell them to you at discount prices. No, that's not how this works. Sure it is. Get them. You can get a bunch a bunch of comics, like a bunch of bananas, for only 10 bucks. If you buy three, we'll give you the fourth free. Fourth free. Boop, 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 boop. Also, we're taking one comic book and we're duct taping it to the wall and selling it for $120,000. <laughs> don't eat it. Oh, don't eat it. Current humor. Let's get into the stack, Current starting humor. with a big issue out of DC Comics, Superman number 18. Have you heard of this guy, Superman? He seems like Batman, but a little more Nicer. colorful, like Ooh, okay. like a nice Batman, <laughs> like a nice <laughs> like friend. a nice Batman or a male Wonder Woman is how I would describe wow. him. Wow, uh, yeah. So this is Superman by Brian Bendis and Ivan Rice, and this is the big issue that they've been teasing for a long time. I don't think this is a spoiler because it's been out there and it's right on the cover. But this is the issue where Superman reveals Comes to out. the world. Uh, sure. Yeah. It reveals to the world that he is Clark Kent. He tells some of his friends first, then he tells the entire world, and that's where he leaves. The entire world gets to see him do the reveal. Uh, and certainly some things are going to roll off that. What do you think about it, Pete? How do you feel about the issue? How do you feel about the reveal? Well, there was kind of a fun moment there with uh, Nerds McGillicuddy. What's his name? Uh, Jimmy Olsen? Yeah, there you go. Okay. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that was kind of funny. Jimmy Olsen is sort of like a depowered... Wonder Woman who is male what? or a Batman who doesn't wear a costume. That is nothing. What? There's three characters in the DC <laughs> universe. They're all variations of each other. Oh so. my God, you're awful. Uh, yes, there is a fun moment with Jimmy also where Jimmy also pretends to not know and calls him out on the glasses. Uh, he also goes and tells Perry White. That was my favorite page of the issue. Oh my God, no dialogue. Just, oh, that was really Yeah, powerful. just he tells Perry. Perry is shocked and then Perry goes over and hugged him. There was a moment where like Superman put his head down a little bit and I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, this isn't going to go well. And then went real well. They hugged it out. I'll tell you what. I don't like this idea at all. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know why they're doing it. I did not love the fact that multiple superheroes are like, go, Superman, you're telling the truth to the world. Because this 
if they are dealing with it correctly, and I think they will, it's going to fuck so much shit up in such a horrible way yeah. beyond just... Vil- also, all of his stuff that he's written... Yes. Like that, like... God. he, Him yeah. at the end being like, and also I'm going to be Clark Kent journalist. I'm like, no, no you're not. No, you're not. You you're going to be sued for fucking malpractice, you asshole. You're you never going to fight crime again. You can't be a journalist after that. There's a reason that you did this. Yeah. That you had a secret identity to begin with, and you maintained it for so long. I think they're doing their best to make the argument that... Well, that's not valid anymore. Also, he's lying, and that's not what Superman does. I appreciate that. And I think throughout it, it was drawn well, and they're doing their best job to get it. But the proof is going to be in the pudding, or more specifically, the proof is going to be in how this rolls out over the next couple of months, potentially also, years. Lex Luthor is super pissed. Dude. Of course he is. Super pissed. Of course he is. I mean, contrast that with the very silly moment on Crisis on Infinite Earths, where Lex Luthor sees Tom Welling, is like, could you imagine Clark Kent is Superman <laughs> yeah. in those silly glasses? Yeah. I love that. Uh, so I would love it if Lex Luthor's like, I don't believe it. You're fooling me, Superman, and they just go with that. But that's not going to happen. Uh, did you like this, though? Did you like this idea? Did you like the issue? I There were sweet moments and nice moments where there was a moment where he's like, Lois! And then, like, uh, you know, like... I like the moment with his boss. I like the moment with Lois Lane. I have you. These are pretty well-known characters at all. Oh, I'm sorry. Saying. And names never slipped your mind for a moment. Jimmy Olsen and Perry White. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes that happens. Sure, I understand. Also, it sounds like you're saying Barry White. Barry White. I'm not pronouncing <laughs> things very Barry well. Barry White. Barry White. Uh, but yeah, and can't get it over you, little <laughs> That was horrible. <laughs> Thank you. But I still left. Um, <laughs> yeah, I th- I thought that. But overall, I think this is a real not good idea. <laughs> I agree. It also <laughs> feels like... Bendis, what are you doing, man? Well, they keep teasing that there's this crisis coming. So it's all going to get washed away in a year or so. Cool. So it allows them time to play with this idea before it gets set back to the status quo, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. Unle- honestly, unless he ends up in a million lawsuits next issue and they're like, you can't be a journalist anymore, I yeah. don't know what I'm going to do with this. Uh, yeah, and also, like, this Batman did this for a while. Or, did he? Yeah, he was. Are you like, thinking of Spider Man, who is a different superhero from a different universe? Who did no, this? no. Batman gave up being Bruce Wayne for a little while and just was Batman. Sure, but he didn't come out and be like, and I'm Bruce Wayne. Right. But which I, is a different thing. My parallel here is that Superman can't go back to being Clark Kent and he's just going to have to be Superman for a little while with this because nobody's going to let him walk into the office right. and just be like, Ey. if you knew that the guy who works next to you at work was Superman, what's the first thing you do the next day when he walks into the office and is punch him cl- in the nuts? Right. Yeah. Be like, how did that feel? Yeah. Was that you? Did you feel that? I would bring an Uzi and just unload. Break a chair on his back. Yeah, exactly. Bring an Uzi and unload. <laughs> Unip- inappropriate. <laughs> That's Pete. true. That's true. In this current atmosphere. Let's move on to talk about another issue from Marvel Comics, The Immortal Hulk, number 28. Now, post-issue 25, 
This title has taken a very different bent. It's, it's taken no, a turn. It's taken a turn. It's no longer just a horror title. Now the Hulk is taking on culture and corporations, and specifically is taking on the Roxxon Corporation, which is led by Dario Agar, who is now full-time being a horrific minotaur. This issue, we get a new artist comes in. We get to see a lot of the world around as they've been affected by Hulk's manifesto of corporations can't get away with this anymore. The youth are dressing in Hulk masks. They're fighting back. Uh, and we get to see, meanwhile, the Minotaur is going about his plan to try to figure out how to take down the Hulk from a corporate perspective. I continue... This is completely different than the first 24, 25 issues of the book, but I love it. I think it's so good. It's so current. It's so timely, but it keeps the horrific elements of the art, even if we have a new artist this issue. Yes, Pete. Did that guy shoot his daughter? He tried to shoot his daughter. So what happens to this issue? One of the storylines we follow. That guy shot his daughter. He's a security guard who trolls alt-right forums and conservative forums all day. His brain has been blasted to heck by this, just like a lot of people in the real world. And he sees a situation where his daughter, who he's completely lost touch with, he's lost all of these dreams for her, that he thought she was going to be this demure daughter who would give him lots of grandchildren and follow that path. And that's not the path she wants to follow at all. He sees her in this Hulk mass and is like, you know what? I could just, nobody would know. And then I could have these memories of my daughter the way that I always wanted to remember. This is, that's fucked up. Man. It is fucked up. But what this it's title is showing really us... really fucked up. It's showing us different types of monsters. The Hulk is one type of monster. The Minotaur is another type of corporate monster. And this man, even though he doesn't look like a monster, is a monster as well. I like my security guards that are like secretly Bruce Willis. You know, oh, okay. they're unbreakable, and you know. I they, thought you were going to say like Paul Blart or something. No, no. What's your favorite Paul Blart movie? <laughs> the first one, sure. <laughs> right. But I just think that like, I first off, tip of the cap for tackling stuff like this. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there are different kinds of monsters. Great, this is a great vehicle to explore mm-hmm. that. Awesome, but. It just, you know, I'm not a father, but I would like to think that no matter what my daughter did, I would not shoot her because I could get away with it. You could walk into your kids' rooms and just plow, plow, if you wanted. This is why my kids aren't allowed to wear masks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good for you, but I just, uh, I don't know, man. Of course it's fucked up. It's supposed to be fucked up. You're supposed to look at this guy uh, who is broken, by a corporate structure that is built to break him. This is what That's they talk why I about. I want to be unbreakable, man. Oh, unbreakable like Bruce Willis? Yeah. In Unbreakable? I get what you're getting at. Yeah. This book is so good. I love it. Let's move on to an Image Comics book, Lucy Claire Redemption, number one. Uh, I got to tell you, I don't think that I read the first Lucy Claire, nor was I aware there was a previous Lucy Claire when I picked this book for the stack. Uh, but this is about a girl who fights werewolves. She seemingly, at some point in the past, gave that up. People thought she was dead. So now it's a very, like... Are you going to still fight werewolves, Lucy Claire? And she's like, I'm not going to fight werewolves. They're like, well, maybe these werewolves. And you get the arc of the book. But I thought the art was fantastic, and I really enjoyed the characters. This was phenomenal. Wow. I love this book. This was really just uh, the fact that she, like, need a fucking werewolf. 
was to be so clear, badass. That's need with a K, not yeah. need like I need a werewolf, eh? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? But uh, I I love the action. I love the kind of anti-hero this character is a little bit. I I can't wait for more. This is a fantastic. If this is just uh, you know her going on adventures and kicking the shit out of werewolves. Please sign me the fuck up. This is a fantastic first issue. I cannot wait for more. This is going to be on my new fave list. Wow. All right. There we go. Glad we included it. Moving back to Marvel Comics, New Mutants number three. So I was not aware of what was happening in this title necessarily. The first two issues have been by Jonathan Hickman. They have followed the original New Mutants as they went off into space to go find Cannonball, and they've been on adventures there. I thought we were going to follow them. Turns out, it seems like this is almost going to be an anthology book, because now this is written by, I believe it's Ed Bryson, and it follows some of the second generation of younger mutant characters. writing a lot of books right now. Yeah, Bryson is the Mike Tyson... Oh my of what are you, Marvel. He's the champ. Okay, okay. Yeah. I thought you meant he bit people's ears. I mean, I don't know. I'm not at the Marvel meetings. Okay. He could. He could be. So this follows some of the other generation of younger X-Men, including Armor, as they try to track down Beak, who hasn't shown up on Krakoa, the new mutant island. Uh, naturally, things don't go very smoothly, but I really enjoyed this anyway, and even though... It took me a second to realize, a couple of pages in, to realize, oh, we're we're not going to be following uh, Cannonball and Sunspot and everybody else. I liked it once I got past that point. Cool. How'd you feel about it, Pete? I mean, the line at the last page was really great. You what know? was the line at the last page? It was, you know, oh, this is why they send Wolverine first. Right. Oh, come on! It was great. Because you always like it if Wolverine is in front of you on a line. No, you just... Because, like, if you're going to up to an icing machine, you know, Wolverine's going to get, like, that thing where it's, like, ah, it's a little stuck and it's a little bloppy. And then they've they've gotten that first batch of ice cream out. So you go out to the soft service machine and it's, like, ah, a perfect swirl. Wow. <laughs> You've got some issues, man. I do not. I just feel very particular about my soft serve ice cream and I wish Wolverine would go first. <laughs> yeah, I just meant, you know... Because he's the best at what he does. You just so you just like the fact that they mentioned Wolverine's name in an issue. Well, it makes it a complimentary. Back. You can't have a bunch of kids going on recon missions thinking they can just walk into places and be okay. You need Wolverine. Would right? you? Let's say there was a super shitty comic book you read, mm-hmm. but in the middle of the comic book, somebody said, "I like the Punisher." Good comic book now, or <laughs> still? So you're saying this comic was a piece of shit? No, I like it. it. No, it seems no. like that's what you were. This is like a good chocolate vanilla swirl, perfectly balanced. Um, I just like the fact that you know they realized they were in over their heads, and only if Wolverine was there, things would be better. That's I thought it was great. it was just a joke. Well, either way, I I'm glad it. you like that one line. I like the rest of the issue. I thought it was kind of interesting the fact that like, you know. Oh, but it's really this whole thing. I'm interested to see where this moves forward because here we got Beaker, and he is Beak. like, yeah, yeah. Beaker's a Muppet. I know, and that's why I did that joke. Oh, Thanks okay. for explaining it. No problem. Um, it's not a good joke because they're two different characters, Pete. Well, Beaker wouldn't be in an X-Men comic. That doesn't make any sense. That's the He's fun. not a fucking mutant, man. That's the fun of the joke. It's I, nonsensical. I... Nonsensical jokes sound. Who nonsense. went to Cornell here? Why am I explaining to you all? I'm saying went? is, if you said that joke, if you called him Beaker, and then you said I like Wolverine, I'd be like, nice. 
and appreciate <laughs> the joke. Uh, anyways. Or if you compared it to ice cream and stuff like that. So Beaconstein is there with his family and he... See, that makes more sense to me. Oh, does... I'm glad we workshopped this. You yeah. know what? I'll just rewind the podcast. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what were you going to say about the book, Pete? I'm going to say uh, Beaconschneiser is sitting <laughs> there. That you lost it. Again. Oh, man. Oh, well. That's not going to make sense, though, because I rewound the podcast. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Joke out of context. What will happen? So, uh, <laughs> you know, he doesn't know about all the secret drugs that this island is hoarding and not giving to other people. So it's interesting now that he's kind of in the know, like what the ramifications of that are going to be. And also, like, will he end up going to this island or not because of, you know, the bad guys that showed up? What I like about this is that it continues to explore the concept of mutants all living on Krakoa and everything that's been going on in different aspects. We've already seen some of the mutant teams ask for permission to leave the island. The New Mutants did that. They did that over in Fallen Angels, which is the Psylocke book, uh, X-Force, etc., but here they just leave without telling anybody and it immediately goes to shit in the absolute worst way. And we get to see why um, I think this is great. I think that these titles are coordinating, but all standing on their own is very, very impressive. All, all I'm saying, though, is I would be suspicious that someone showed up at my house and was like, oh, my God, you got to come to this party. It's so amazing. Really? Yeah, yeah, just drop everything you're doing. No, no, no. Come. It's going to be so much fun. You yeah. think they're trying to what? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's shady. I think it's real shady. If I showed up at your door and said, hey, Pete, got a really sweet soft serve party going on. <laughs> you got to come by. We got chocolate. We got vanilla. Check this. We got strawberry and we can do a triple swirl. Wow. I don't come think that's by. possible. I don't what think would you do? I don't think it's possible. You'd, you'd be suspicious? I would be very suspicious. Oh, okay. Well, you're not invited to my birthday anymore. Oh, that hurts. Moving on to another DC comic book, Harley Quinn, Villain of the Year, number one. Now, we've had Year of the Villain. Of course, this is a hilarious Harley Quinn riff on it by Mark Russell. As Harley Quinn hosts the Villain of the Year Awards at the Legion of Doom headquarters, they are about to be waylaid and attacked by the Flamingo, uh, and... Uh, it's just ridiculous across the board. It also ties into a classic thing they used to do back in the day where they actually had fans vote for who should win villain of the year. And you get to see who won in the issue. Uh, what do you think about this one? This is just fun. I mean, the title lets you know that this is just going to be a fun romp. Uh, I really appreciate it. I thought, uh, it was, yeah, I just, it's a great the arts, fantastic, a fun story. And you get to kind of see how Harley put it all together. I, I was impressed. I like the fact that, first of all, you have this fan vote, so I'm sure they had different possibilities depending on who would win. They also clearly had to win a while ago uh, for the artist to actually draw them properly and the write them properly, uh, but that all came together. What really points to the fact that Mark Russell is a very good writer is he makes it work as a story at the same time and an emotional arc for Flamingo, which is a lot of fun, very enjoyable, and gives it a lot more depth than just a throwaway issue. Uh, so I thought this was good. I was going in expecting something that was just silly goofballs, and it is partially that, but it's also a little more at the same time. Yep. Moving back to Marvel Comics, another X-Men comic book that came out this week, X-Force number three. Now, Professor X has been assassinated, and Wolverine, who you like, who's actually in this book, 
Nobody says Wolverine should show up because he's already there. Yes. Is out with Quentin Quire trying to track down Domino, who we discovered had been flayed alive in the last issue by a bunch of new types of Reavers who essentially use human flesh and human bits to augment themselves, trying to become post-humans, not with metal, but with bones and viscera. Uh, It's pretty gross. Yeah, it's very gross. I was trying to eat my lunch and read this book. Oh, and you eat a big pile of flayed flesh, so you're like, oh, this is making me hungry. It was a little tough to do. Yes. What did you think about this one, Pete? This is very kind of weird and over the top. Like, the whole thing about, like, just peeling the skin off Domino Domino was really fucked up. and Domino Gleason? <laughs> I just feel like uh, I wasn't happy to see this is an idea. <laughs> it's pretty disgusting. It definitely follows up on the idea of X-Force as being the extreme team. Yeah. So if you're going to go extreme, great. Have flesh zombies with their muscles wandering everywhere. Have Domino be flayed alive, knowing that she's going to get her skin back. Watch Professor Xavier grow to a baby to an adult and burst out of a pod. It's a lot of stuff. Uh, These first three issues almost function as an origin of what X-Force is going to be, that they are going to push back and fight back. And I again, on the fleshing out this world and figuring out thing, I liked the fact that Professor X realizes, oh, I wanted it to be this utopia, but it can't be that yet because the rest of the world won't let it be that yet. So I'm forgetting the exact phrase. It's a pretty famous phrase, but uh, that greets somebody with one open hand and a closed fist on the other. Uh, And that X-Force is going to be this closed fist, this threat that we are going to greet you. We are going to shake your hands. We're going to work with the world. But if you push back on us, we're going to fucking push back on you. Uh, again, really enjoying how they're fleshing this out of this is like too creepy right now. I, and I like I like extreme stuff, but like I was a little like this is too much. And also, I don't trust this new lollipop Xavier at all. Really? Yeah. Ah, we get to see his face finally this issue as he grows. Yeah, I don't trust lollipop man. You don't trust lollipops, also. That's true. I was with Pete at a candy store the other day, and he smashed all the lollipops. Yeah. While you were singing the lollipop song. Yeah. Lollipop, lollipop, I don't want lollipops, (laughs) lollipop. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Another good issue. Uh, Moving on to an image comic book. We are old. Uh, Yes, that song came out uh, when we were... In the 20s, I think. Yeah, when we were 30 years old. Yeah. Uh, Undiscovered Country, number two. This is by Charles Soule and Scott Snyder. Have you heard of these two? Uh, No, I haven't. These are uh, fresh new faces to me around the time that the Lollipop song came out. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, uh, The first issue of this book uh, took place in a world that is suffering from a virus that is going to kill everybody in the world off called Sky. Um, They got a message from inside America, which has been walled off for the past 30 years, and said, hey, we got a cure for Sky. We want to trade for you. Come on by. They found out things were way more fucked up than they thought they were. There's genetic monstrosities. It seems like a Mad Max land. They met a guy who thinks he's Uncle Sam, and that's where we pick up in this issue as these survivors, the people who crash-landed inside this new America, are told, we're going to get to the center of America, to the center of the spiral, and uh, in order to do that, the first thing we need to do is get a key from this enormous, glowing antler dude named the Destiny Bad. 
insane amount of ideas going on here. What I love about this book already is that we've had two issues. We barely know these characters, but they've had cliffhangers on each issue that make you go, oh, shit. And it completely changes the premise of the book every single time. Yeah, it's pretty dense, everything that's happening right now. Uh, but I I trust this team, and I think that it's just great stuff coming. It's really a, a crazy fun read, and I, uh, I can't wait for more. I, this is... This is very interesting, very creative, and very over the top, and I'm looking forward to it. What I'm curious about right now is, right now this book has really diving into the characters, which is very important because there's a bunch of them, uh, as we find out more about them and find out more about their motivations. It's also been twists a million in terms of everything that's going on in the world, and there's been a ton of info dump. I'm curious if we're also going to find out if it is saying anything about the state of America today. I think it already is. How so? Well, you got a giant wall and, you know. Yeah, I guess there is that. Yeah. And giant shrimp. Yep. And everybody loves a giant shrimp. Oh. Mm. Unlimited shrimp? Yeah. Oh, I would climb a giant wall for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Uh, This book is very good. The art is also gorgeous and stunning in it. All the character designs are great. Definitely pick this up. This is one you're going to want to get into early. Moving on to another book you're going to want to get into early from DC Comics Hill House line, The Dollhouse Family Number 2. We talked about this book, uh, the first issue. You're shaking your head, Pete, because you're like, yes, yes, I'm into this, right? That's the no movement that you're making with your head? Yeah, no. I mean the no movement. All right. This is by uh, M.R. Carey and Peter Gross, uh, who were the team on Unwritten back in the day. They are now working on this. The first issue we met... There are a couple of different timelines going on. In the past timeline, we met a guy who was exploring a cave, got deep down in a cave, made some sort of weird deal with a succubus demon-type character who had sex. As you do when you are stuck in a cave. If you're hungry and in a cave and a succubus is like, have sex with me, you're going to do whatever, buddy. (laughs) That's it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, in the present timeline, we met a young girl who finds this dollhouse. The dollhouse at first seems magical, gives her the family that she life that she's lacking. But ultimately, she finds out a thing about a black room that tries to make her a deal, which is uh, I will kill not your stepfather, but your mom's boyfriend and exchange. You come to live here forever. Instead, she ends up killing the boyfriend. We that's where we pick up this issue. We find out the ramifications of that. Of course, the dollhouse gets worked, and again, we get more horrific imagery. But man, I love this so much. Particularly if you were a fan of Lock and Key back in the day, this is very pleasantly reminding me of that, but with a very different story. What, dude? What are you talking about? Oh man, no way, man. This is Lock and Key has like a, a, a heart to it, a niceness. This a also has a heart, but no, the heart is no. This out is of the body yeah. This is creepy as eaten. fuck, man. This is this is violent in in a way that's like creepy. We're Lock and Key. There's hope. They're working towards a future, a goal. This is just a fucked up demon that's doing fucked up shit. Well, but you are scared of dollhouses. Right? I'm scared of dollhouses. I'm scared of like creepy kids. Yeah, like this. Hit You're scared of comic a, books. This checks a so lot. That was of boxes. terrifying for you. Yeah, this is a scary <laughs> ass book. Uh, but I was happy to see what happened to that one fucking asshole kid. Yes. Uh, 
I really like this a lot, particularly if you are looking for a good horror book. The Hill House books across the board have been real good so far, uh, which I'm very excited about. Uh, and this one's great. Let's move to one that maybe didn't scare Pete so much. <laughs> From Marvel Comics, The Punisher Soviet, number two. Last issue, The Punisher was on the trail of a dude who was killing a bunch of dudes. Which Just The Punisher like was like, what are you doing killing yeah. dudes like me? Hey, guess what, man? Punisher gets a friend. Punisher gets a friend. Punisher a, gets a friend. Come who is on, a Russian man. Russian Punisher. There's just a guy who wants to be like the Punisher. Yeah. And they like share stories, and one of them drinks, and the other one just stays the Punisher. Here's the thing what are the chances that the Punisher doesn't kill him at the end of the series? <laughs> Not very good. Who cares, man? He's having, he's having, they're having a moment together. I don't know. I feel like that kind of taints all their interactions. No way, man. This is great. There is the narration, which is very odd to read, where they're working together, and the Punisher's interior uh, narration. Uh, is that he's like, oh, this is weird. I, I feel totally. I com- trust this guy. I'm totally comfortable I with don't, him. It's been a long time since I've been in combat with somebody that I trust. And oh. I was like, oh, the Punisher. That's yeah, a they're friend. just throwing grenades throwing back and forth. Throwing grenades together, having the time having of their lives. Oh. Killing a bunch of bad guys. Yes. It does rely on some Garth Ennis stuff that I feel like he does a lot, where in the second half of the issue, after they've killed a bunch of dudes, they're sitting down and talking, and uh, the Russian dude is like, well, here's my backstory. It's very specific, historically accurate war stuff yeah. with lots of details about types of guns that we're using. Let's go. Yeah. And Garth Ennis does it so well. That you read it and you're like, yes, this is very good. I've read you do this a billion times. Come on, man. Are you mad at him for playing to his strengths? I don't know. It's Come fine. On. I like the first half of the issue better. That's the thing. Don't, I like you and your goddamn halves. Punisher it's, and Russian Punisher having a good time together. It's not halves. It's one thing. Okay? You can't break things into quarters. And I didn't halves. write it, man. You, you can just, break what? Oh, really? You can't you, break things into quarters and halves. <laughs> Have you ever had a pizza? E, e, nope. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. Well, I just eat the whole you, pot. You, yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> give me a cheese route uncut. Yep. That's what you say at the pizza place. Yep. Uh, this is this is very good. This is a good. It's punishment. great. Yes. It's fun. Last one to talk about from DC Comics. Far Sector number two. We talked about the first issue about this as well. This is about a new, fresh Green Lantern who is sent to the furthest sector in the universe to investigate a murder. Uh, there's definitely some weird stuff going on oh, with her man. behind the scenes. We don't really necessarily find out a lot more about that, this issue, but we do get to find out more about the society that she is interacting in, which is very weird and very alien. I like this issue as well. The art's fantastic. Storytelling's great. I have never been a fan of Green Lantern, but this is really doing it for me. I'm really loving the storytelling. The main character is really cool. This is very original, and I'm I'm very much enjoying this. I agree. It it feels like a very different Green Lantern story, and it gets back to the core of what Green Lantern is, which is they're supposed to be space cops, yeah. which we haven't seen in I don't know ever. Yeah, just as always, whenever I pick up a Green Lantern book, it's the history is so dense. They're dealing with things that have multiverses all the time. This is just a nice story that really does a good job of like piecing out the information that you're following with the with the main character. 
I've been really impressed with the art. I, I, I just think this is a really great way to kind of get into the Green Lantern universe. I agree. If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by and we will chat with you about comic books. Pete, what do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. And we'll see you at the comic book shop. Just amazing.